So anyway, the author of uh, Jude is deemed to be uncertain, but it's believed to be Jude, and uh, and he identifies himself as such uh, in the first uh, in the first verse, <clears throat> and uh, he does he 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 identifies himself in a way as being the brother of James to them that are sanctified by God the Father, uh, in a way to to distinguish himself from Judas, and uh, and so. Uh, so that's something that is interesting, but we're gonna we're gonna read the the entirety of this letter. Uh, it's uh, it's 25 verses, and uh, so we're gonna start with the first verse. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write, un- to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire." Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring, railing, bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, Feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water. Carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands, with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them 
of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. That is a magnificent letter that's penned in Jude. And, and I don't think we really look at the book of Jude. We oftentimes, we, we oftentimes put the, the, the main points of our focus on, the, on either the biggest books that are written in the Bible uh, because of, I'm the, only, the, only under, the only way I can explain it is this way. Because it's a bigger book, it must be more important. And that's not true. Um, some people look at the, the, the classification of the prophets this way, uh, and so you'll have the prophets who have the longer books are called the major prophets, and the prophets who have the shorter books are called the minor prophets. But the bottom line is, is that they're all prophets of God. And uh, some he gave longer messages to than others um, for the reasons we don't know they're his. And, uh, and so we look at this letter of Jude, and this is a really... Really well written letter. And I'd like for us to, to, to take for a thought today, keeping our eye, keeping our eyes firmly fixed on Christ. Keeping our eyes firmly fixed on Christ. The day and the age that we live in, that's what we need. Uh, we live in a time where, where people are, are running to and fro, uh, as, as Jude highlighted here in his letter running to and fro, spreading every wind of doctrine, uh, everything that's not good for the edification or the building up of people, but is actually actively engaged in the process of trying to tear down not just societies, but people themselves. Uh, Jude recognized this, and he actually uh, points out his reason for writing this letter in the third and the fourth verse. He says he gave all diligence to write about the common salvation. Because it's, that's what it is. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as, as your Savior, um, you've got to seek Him for that salvation. But you can't just do it on a whim. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to seek Jesus today. Now, I suggest you start searching Him out, but don't get, don't get me wrong there. Um, but 
before you find the Lord, you have to come to the knowledge that you're not His child. You, you know, you you got to get under conviction. That's the first job of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but but. But having been saved, uh, there's a reason that when you hear everyone's testimony, that everyone's testimony is unique to themselves to a certain degree, but it's also got a common line, doesn't it? And, and that's because it all ends in the same place. Uh, it ends at Jesus at the feet of the cross. It ends with Jesus Christ. Uh, it ends with the the forgiveness of sins. It gives. It it ends with the uh, with the, the the imputing of right of the righteousness of Christ to that person. And it's because of that imputed righteousness of Christ um, that they have got eternal life secured. And, and so it's common in that sense. It's not common in the sense of uh, when you talk about something base being common it's common in that it's something that we all have equal to us all of us that have have got it uh, and he uh, he says of this common salvation he says it's needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints folks this is this is something that we have got to start being better at um not just in this, not just those of us that make up this church, but Christians in general. We have got to be better about earnestly contending for the faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, if we look at the what's going on around us in the world today, uh, it is absolutely antithetical to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, what's going on in the world today is a repudiation or a rejection uh, of God, a rejection of Christ, a rejection of the only man who came down into this world and suffered death for the sins of, the, of every man so that every man would have the opportunity to be saved. Uh, and you have a rejection by, by all of the elites in society today. Uh, and uh, and, and that, that's at the local level, and that's at the state level, and that's at the federal level. And it's worse in some places than in others. Uh, we talked about this morning uh, in Sunday school about how uh, the Department of Education in California is uh, is entertaining the uh, the notion of teaching people about Quetzalcoatl. Uh, and I know I mispronounced that, uh, and I don't get me don't get too hung up on me on that. Uh, but uh, that is uh, an ancient Aztec deity. Uh, and, uh, and, and if you study that, it's the sun god, essentially, or the fire god. It was usually the same thing. And, and what they would do in worship to him is absolutely reprehensible. But that they are, are, are okay with. But using the name of Jesus Christ, they'll have an uproar over it because Jesus Christ has standards of expectation. Somebody asked, why in the world was paganism so, uh, so, uh, popular? And, and I said, well, there's a reason that they had so many gods. There was a God for everything, wasn't there? And whatever you wanted to do, there was a God to justify it, wasn't there? 
But in the but in the Christian de, in the Christian religion, we not we acknowledge there's only one God and there's only one Savior, and, and He has standards and expectations, and and we cannot live our lives uh, in a manner that's not in accordance with Him, and expect to be blessed by Him. And you really better believe that you're not going to live your life that way and never repent of it. And prosper. So say, he's saying we need to earnestly contend for this faith. And, but he's, and, and what's interesting here is Jude is going to point out problems that have come into the church. Right? He's going to point out problems that have come into the kingdom of God. In the fourth verse he says, For there are certain men crept in unawares. They gave the they gave the look of a Christian, but when the rubber met the road, uh, they uh, and people started advocating for Christian principles and 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 teachings like discipline. Right? Uh, uh, we uh, w- when somebody gets out of line, they have to be disciplined. I mean, it's just it's just nature tells you that. Uh, we know that uh, if one of your kids get out of line and you don't discipline your child. That's eventually going to be a reproach that comes back on you. But society is teaching us that lesson again in a big way right now, isn't it? But there's certain men crept in unawares. And these men that have crept in, they don't care about the gospel or the teachings of the gospel or the teachings of morality that God, uh, that God teaches us from the Bible. He, they don't care about those things. They come in and they're pushing their own agenda. They want their way. Uh, it's their way or the highway. And they don't really care about what anybody else has to say about it. That's why they crept in unawares, right? If they come in and they have been openly declaring uh, the things uh, that they believe uh, the church would have rejected them. They would have said no we don't want any part of you but they come in as the Bible says like a wolf in sheep's clothing right? Presenting themselves as one of them but having the intention of undermining them, isn't it? Now, now of them, Jude says this. He says they were of old, they were before of old, ordained unto this, ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Now that is, these were idolaters. Because that's sexual, that's sexual immorality, and that's part and parcel with paganism. If you don't believe me, all you got to do is study the Bible, and the Bible illustrates this fact time and time again. That was a big part of it. So they're trying to reincorporate in le- uh, the, the the paganism that God has that God has uh, condemned. And, and he said, and he goes on here. Not only that, but then denying the, our Lord Jesus Christ, folks. If you have somebody that comes in and, and they openly deny the Lord, folks, we should have no reservation or no problem to look at that person and say, "I don't care what you profess. 
You obviously don't have what you said you have if that's the position that you're going to take. And as the church, we should have absolutely no problems in saying to that person, depart. And you do that in a business meeting when you exclude that person. Folks, if we're not going to do that, right? And, 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 I, and I said this this morning when we were discussing another situation. I, I sadly say, in too many churches, if the person has enough money, there'll be those in the church that'll make an excuse as to why you shouldn't. And then when you do, they'll get mad and they'll want to start another church where they can do their own thing. Why do you think there's so many missionary Baptist churches within so within so close proximity? You can't drive five minutes down the road in most on most country back roads without driving by a sign that says Missionary Baptist Church. It's because somebody crept in unawares and started teaching something and he and he caught the ear of enough of the flock that when they finally dealt with it, split the church. Split it. We know firsthand about that here, don't we? Splits the church. They not only deny the Lord God, they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. So they, they, they're, not even, they're not even professing God. They're professing some other God. He says this. He says, I put you in remembrance. Now he's going he's gonna to write to... Uh, he's going to write to the church or, or to those he's, he's writing to, to the saints, right? And, and he's going to say this. I want you to remember all the instances of people who did not inherit eternal life. And really, I want to say it this way, righteous life. The first ones he's going to talk about are those that God brought out of Egypt. They were saved in the land of Egypt by the application of the blood of the lamb to the doorpost and the lintel of the hearts. And when the death angel came through the land of Egypt and smote the firstborn, both man and beast, that night, when he saw the blood on the house, he passed over it. That's where the Feast of the Passover has its origins. And uh, and we know that, uh, that eventually uh, most... Moses, uh, with the, with the, at God's direction, uh, leads the children of Israel to the Red Sea. Uh, and then God parts the Red Sea when Moses lifts up the, the staff, and they all pass through, baptized after having been saved in the Red Sea and in the cloud. All of them. But once they got on the other side a great portion of them revealed themselves to not be what they appeared to be. And you say, well, how's that possible? Because when God had sent spies throughout the land, two gave a positive report, two gave an evil report, and the majority of, uh, and, and, and they believed the evil report, and that is the, the adults, the elders believed the evil report, and so they were, they were forbidden 
from entering into the promised land. And they died in the wilderness. Next he says, you have the angels that kept not their first estate. Of course, this would be Satan and the angels that fell with him. Uh, and, uh, and, and it says, and they are reserved in the everlasting chains uh, of dar- under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Then he goes to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, which burn with eternal fire. Uh, then he goes also to the, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, as, he, as he's talking about those, he says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh, despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. But then in opposition or in, in, or as a, 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 in contrast to that, he says, Yet, Michael, the archangel. Now, if you get into studying Michael the Archangel, you'll find it very interesting. There's quite a few people who believe that Michael the Archangel is another name for Jesus Christ. Because he's the Prince of Angels. You'll find that there's... a there's Spurgeon believed that. John, John Gill believed that. A lot of those older uh, men you know, who had... A very very lofty reputations. They all believe that because the word Michael means who is like God, right? And then you read about the attributes of Michael. They all believed they all believed Michael was essentially another name for Jesus Christ. And so now, when you think about it in this terms, you have Michael disputing with the devil over the body of Moses. I got into a conversation with somebody the other day about Moses, and they said, well, what happened to Moses when he died? And I said, God buried him. And they said, what? God buried him? I said, yes. I said, God buried him in a valley, in a place where nobody would find it, and in a place where where nobody knew about it. And there was, and, and they were like, "That's not scriptural." And so I turned them over to the book of Deuteronomy and read to them where, when Moses died, it says that he buried him. There was only one one other person on top of the mountain with Moses, and that was God. And so here in Jude, Jude says, "Michael the archangel." Now whether that is an angel or whether that's Christ, I'm going to leave that up for everybody else to determine at your own, but just go into look into the study of uh, in the book of Daniel in chapter 12, verse 1. I'm just going to turn over there real quick. It's really interesting when you look into it. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Some people get really tore up when you when you bring this up, but uh, listen, to the way, listen to the way Michael is described in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time, Michael, shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at the time thy people shall be del- and at that time thy people shall be delivered every one shall that shall be found written in the book. So this is sort of why they they oftentimes look at Michael as Christ, because it says that he's, it refers to him as the great prince, which standeth, which standeth for the children of thy people, talking to Daniel, 
and it says that there shall be a time of trouble such as there was never since the nation, uh, even since that time, even to that same time. And at, the, at that time, thy people shall be delivered. When they see Michael standing, then shall thy people be delivered, everyone that's found written in the book. What book? The Lamb's Book of Life. And so that's that's just an example of why some people believe that. And so there's a there's now let's get back. My, you know you have you have those that believe this way, like the elders in in, in Israel uh, in the days that they left Egypt, uh, the angels that left their first habitation, and the and the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and in opposition to those, you got. Michael the archangel, let's just say it's Michael the archangel, contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses, but he does not bring a railing accusation against him. See, even in that, he doesn't open his mouth, does he? But the only thing he says is, The Lord rebuke thee. And I believe that would be uh, capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament. Uh, But these speak evil of those things which they know not. Now, here's what I want us to look at. I want us to think about this. You know, our country is going through a very turbulent time. It's really crazy. And, uh, and, and I want you to think about this. And I'm looking at only from our side of the fence. There seems to be an atmosphere where people want to focus on end times eschatology study and this is the danger folks everybody's an expert understand everybody oh it doesn't matter what verse that you point to oh no that's over that contradicts here this that the other uh folks I explain everybody. I explain it to everybody this way. You better not speak so authoritatively on things which you don't have the ability to see what the ultimate outcome is going to be. Folks, the, the Bible tells us very clearly that now we see through a glass darkly. That means we, are, we don't have clear vision. It's opaque what's going to happen in the future. To take the Word of God and to parse it out and to say that I know everything that's going to happen coming down the pike, you're in a very dangerous place. Because you're not worshiping God, you're not worshiping the Bible, you're worshiping your own knowledge. And they did the same things, and that's what I want us to look at here. Look at this. But these, meaning those that were spoken of beforehand, not Michael, speak evil of those things which they know not. Right? And that's what you have happening today, isn't it? You have the people who do not know the Lord speaking evil of the Lord, and speaking evil of the of, of his children, and to be sorry to say this, in a lot of instances, his children's given given reason for them to do that. Believe in crazy things. But they speak evil of those things which they know not. You always do that, don't we, as people? <coughs> If we don't know something, we, we usually talk down about it, don't we? Until we get come to know it firsthand. He says, but they, but what they do know naturally, 
as brute beasts, meaning these people do not rely upon reason. They, they rely upon only what they can see. They rely only on the natural senses, right? They rely, whatever, if they can't see it, smell it, touch it, taste it. What's the other one? Hear it? Did I say hear it? Hear it? Five senses? I said see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it. There you go. I left out hear it. But if they can't, if they can't see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. And they don't want to have anything to do with it. That's the way a beast operates. A beast doesn't, uh, you know, an animal operates mostly on instinct, not on reason. That's the thing that separates man and beast is man. God gave man the ability to reason. And if we're going to abandon that, then we're going to behave as brute beasts. That's what's happening in our society today. Is we have got people behaving as brute beasts. Not meaning they're going around killing people yet. But that if they don't see it, smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it, they don't believe it. In those things they corrupt themselves. And he says this. Woe unto them, for they have gone they have gone in the way of Cain. What's the way of Cain? They, they, they're very prideful. Right? If we think back to Cain, we, they're very prideful. Uh, Cain brought before, brought before the Lord as an offering what? The fruit of the ground, didn't he? And how did he how did he procure that fruit? By the work of his hands. Cain brought God the work of his hands, and a lot of people believe that Cain brought the leftovers. Now, I don't, I don't personally subscribe to that belief that Cain brought the leftovers because I've never known of an instance where somebody was showing off their work and they didn't show off the very best of it. And because, why do they do that? Because they want to be boastful, don't they? Look at what I've done. Look at what I've procured with my own hands. And so they're very prideful. And we see that, don't we? That we see that pride taking place. The second thing is it says that they've run after the reward of Balaam. Now remember, he's writing to the church and he says these things ought not to exist. So there ought not be any pride in the church. Secondarily, they've run after the, uh, after the error of Balaam for reward. Balaam went to curse uh, Israel for a house full of gold and silver. Uh, they were very uh, covetousness towards the monetary things. Gainsaying of Korah, that's just people being contentious and contradictory and contrary in church. And so we ought to not be that way. Uh, these are spots in your feast of charity. Listen to what Jude's saying here. And then being spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. He says clouds they are without water. Folks, we got to look at this stuff and we got to say if we got anybody among us that are these things, I'm sorry, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to get with the Lord and change. If you know the Lord, because Jude's saying that if they behave in such fashion, they don't know. They don't have the knowledge that they profess to have. So you got we got to be careful in this. He compares them to being raging waves. 
He says Enoch prophesied of them. Now, I don't, I don't think there's much recorded about Enoch other than Enoch walked with God and, then, and that he was not, right? Enoch was translated by, and taken by God because Enoch was the friend of God. And so, uh, and so we see that happen there. But he says, Enoch said of this, he was the seventh of Adam, and he prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. And that's exactly what's going to happen when the Lord comes back, isn't it? When he executes judgment, the Lord comes back with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. Now this is where a lot of people really... Uh, diverge nowadays. Uh, a lot of people put the judgment at the end of a thousand year millennial reign here on on earth. We don't do that. Uh, we, uh, we believe that, uh, that, uh, that it, when the Lord comes back that that's the end. Because when he comes back he comes to execute judgment on all. On all. This was a prophecy of Enoch that was fulfilled. Then the, then the prophecy of the apostles that was fulfilled. And remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time. I believe we got that, don't we? We got plenty of that. Now, I, I'm not going to be so foolish because if you want to really show your foolishness you put down and you issue a date when Christ is coming back <laughs> I don't know how people haven't learned the lesson that's not wise to do this so many men have been made have made a mockery of themselves by doing this we don't know when he's coming back and and to sit down folks I, I want you to understand this I really have to question the people that do that. And it's not to question their dedication in studying the Scriptures. I do believe they've got that. I just don't believe they've got the Spirit guiding them. I believe they're sitting down studying them as nothing more than a purely academic thing. And they're trying to look through some crystal ball that they don't have. And they're trying to come up with a date to present themselves as some great man. And that's a problem because you're on the wrong, you're, as they say today, you're on the wrong side of history if that's going to be your stance. And, and that's what he's going to say here. He says about remembering the words which were spoken of by the apostles, which he said how that in the last times there would be mockers uh, that would walk after their own ungodly lust and that these would be people that would separate themselves. Now, understand something. When you separate yourselves, it's supposed to be for consecration, right? Uh, we, live, we, 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 sep, we, we observe the Lord's Supper separately, don't we? we? We observe it only as the Lord's Church because we view that that is exactly the way it's supposed to be observed. The only people that were there were the Lord's disciples. But these separate themselves, and this is why I said they don't have the Spirit. These separate themselves thinking they know, they have more knowledge, thinking they're holier, thinking that they are more righteous than everybody else, when in truth they're sensual. They behave as brute beasts. 
They behave more like they of, uh, that came out of Egypt that were not permitted to enter into the promised land. They behave more like de- the angel, uh, like the devil and his angels which fell from heaven. They behave more like those of Sodom and Gomorrah than they do the Lord's children. And the, re- the way you identify it is they're sensual. If they can't taste it, touch it, smell it, hear it, whatever the other one is I'm leaving out, feel it. There you go. If they can't, if, if it, it, they're materialist, folks. And they delve into formalism, don't they? Because it, it's about knowledge, right? It's the foremost. And so we see that that's kind of where we're at. I heard an interesting uh, an interesting thing the other day, and I'm going to share this and I'm going to close. It's an 80 year theory on the way things go, right? And it's in 20 year segments, so one score segments. Good men, good men. Produce good times. Let's see if I get this right. Good men produce good times, which produces something about the children, which produces, which produces. Well, let's just call it lazy children, right? And they and they don't they don't know where the good times came from, so they produce evil times. And this all happens over a period of eighty years, and eventually they those they 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 introduce hard times. And those hard times cause a generation of good men to rise again. We wonder why that there's... You, you ever hear the, the saying, geez, I want, that's the best that we have? <laughs> it's a direct... Somebody asked the question, uh, asked a question one time I was talking to, and they said, I wonder where all the good men have gone. And I said, good men don't... Uh, times of affluence doesn't produce good men. And that's scripture, folks. That'll that'll preach all day. And and so we see here that we see here that these that separate themselves in this in, in this instance in which he's writing are sensual, having not the spirit. But juxtapose that. Remember what 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 we're supposed to keep our eyes on. And and the reason I said what I said about the end times is there's so many people today that are keeping their eyes on end times. And, and it's like that's what they worship. That's the that's their most important thing, folks. We, we're supposed to keep our eyes on the Lord. And, and if we really want to be God's children and we want to be successful and, and we want to have the love of God amongst us, Jude wrote in his letter here what it is that we should focus on. He says this in the twentieth verse, but ye, right. There's a ver- there is a version of the Bible that has just come out that I am so tempted to look into. And it's called the y'all version. It's a y'all version. So whenever you see the word ye, that's plural. Usually it means you all. So there's they've come out with a version of the, of the Bible where when it says ye, it says y'all. <laughs> I, I'm, I, not that I want it, I just want to see it just for kicks. But he says, but ye, beloved, building up, which is edifying, right? 
We need to edify one another. Um, there's too much... There shouldn't be contention in the Lord's church. This should be a place where everybody comes and they, they're built up and, and not torn down. But we have to acknowledge the things that what the things and the people that do tear down. But he says you should be building up yourselves on your most holy faith. That's prayer. That's spiritual growth. It's prayer, study, and, uh, and meditating on the Lord. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And then keeping yourselves in the love of God. This is something we take for granted, don't we? That we're just going to automatically always be in the love of God. And that's just not the case. The hardness of the world affects us, doesn't it? And if we allow it, it can affect us to a degree that it can pull us away from the love of God, from abiding in Christ and abiding in His teachings. And then it says, not only that, but keeping ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Here's the problem that I have with the mindset of today with the end times group. And these are Christians. This is the issue. They're not looking at it in the right light. They're not looking at it from the standpoint of God being merciful. They are looking at it from the standpoint, and I didn't intend to say this today, but Amy asked me this morning, and then Lily asked me this morning, if I was going to preach about Jonah because I wore a well tie. <laughs> and, and I said no, but I want to say this. Here's what Jude says. He says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We're supposed to value the mercy because mercy rejoiceth against the law. And that, another way of saying that is mercy triumphs over the law, right? When you get pardoned, whatever condemnation that the law imparted upon you is done away with, isn't it? And that mercy is what we should rejoice in. But people are so focused on end times today, not because of focusing on the mercy, but because because they want to focus on those that they deem not fit for the kingdom of God being punished. That is the book of Jonah. I didn't realize I was going to go there, but that's what it, it just kind of came about on its own. We're supposed to be looking for the mercy of God at His coming and not the condemnation coming because He did not come to condemn. He came to save and He came to save and give us abundant pardon and He did and that's what our focus should be on and instead, and He goes on from there and, and He says, says this in the 24th and 25th verse. He says, Now unto you, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Now that's the Lord, unto you that is able to keep him from falling and to present you faultless before his presence, before the presence of his glory. Why is he able to present us faultless? Because it's his, his righteousness that we're accounting on. Getting us there. With exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be majesty, be glory, majesty, and dominion forever. 
or in power both now and ever. Amen. And that's what we should be focused on. That should be uh, that should be. Uh, our, that should be what's on our heart when we wake up in the morning. That should be what's on our heart at the midday. Uh, that should be what's on our heart when we lay our heads down to rest at night is the mercy that God showed toward us. That's what we'll rejoice in at the day of judgment. It won't be the condemnation of those on the left hand because we won't even see them. He's going to say to those that are his first... Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom which was prepared for you. And we won't even see or know or ex- we won't know anything about those on the left hand whom he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. But you have, if you're here today and you're lost, you have, an, a, you have a duty. You have an expectation of God. Jesus commanded all men everywhere to repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in Him for the salvation of their souls. And that's what you have to do to miss out on that fate. You need the mercy of Jesus Christ applied to your life. So when we have these conversations, when people start going, whenever I hear people start going on and on about end times, you'll notice that most of the time they're looking at people and actions that they don't believe ought to, that, that they believe that they should be punished. Folks, we don't revel in the punishment. We rejoice in the mercy. That's my message this morning. I hope that it, I hope that there, we're only a few here this morning. Uh, a lot of circumstances have caused that, but I just pray that each one of us will get something out of it this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. We we, we give thanks. Amen.